Will higher personal responsibility costs, more technical plan designs, and just the challenge of being a patient be the springboard for patient advocacy? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of Shift Shapers is brought to you by Benazon Healthcare Advocacy. Your clients and their employees expect more service, more responsiveness, and more help than ever before. You need to focus on building your book. How do you do both? Benazon. To learn more, go to benazon.com or click the Benazon logo at the top of the shiftshapersonline.com page. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're speaking with Anne Llewellyn. Anne is a nurse advocate with more than four decades of just amazingly and wonderfully diverse experience. And through the course of all that experience, she's created a passion for something that's inarguably more important today than ever before, patient advocacy or people advocacy. We can talk about the difference between those two things as we go along, especially in today's marketplace where consumers have more and more personal responsibility and have to start becoming healthcare consumers, something they haven't been for a while. This whole notion of having folks to help them make the transition, I think is is probably more important than ever before. And with that, welcome, Anne. Thanks, David. Glad to be here. I appreciate you sharing your expertise with our audience. So let's let's start at a broad level. What is patient advocacy? Because I think a lot of people think that it's the same thing as case management, and it, it's different. Right. Well, patient advocacy is really the patient taking control. The patient, if the patient isn't able to do it, then they may have the family to be able to step in, to help make decisions, to have a voice, to make clear what is important to them, what are their goals, what are their what do they want to happen with their health care. So advocates are people who help the patient have that voice. They maybe put their hand up into the to the physician and to other members of the healthcare team. Let's listen to the patient. What do they want? And advocates are there to ensure patients have a voice Advocates help to do research to give patients information that they can use to make decisions. And advocates are there to advocate for people when they enter the healthcare system and when they're, they're in a place that they're not used to and to make sure that they can find their way. So beyond the, the patients, there are also implications for the providers in terms of an advocate helping you to provide information, tools, and resources. What are those things that both sides need? What are those? What is that information, tools, and resources? Can you maybe give us an example? Yeah, well, tools and resources are really, I think, communication, improving communication, and then starting to get to know the person, the patient. And the providers sometimes don't have time to take take the time to do that. So putting a face with a patient and letting, helping the providers and all members of the healthcare team know who this person is in front of them. 
that they're a mother, a father, a child, a sister, or a brother, and that they have, they, they work and they need to get back to work and they're afraid and that the healthcare system is scary to them. It's their first time in the healthcare system for people who are new to it. And they need to understand how it works. And providers and other members of the healthcare team can do that, but they need to maybe take a step back when they meet somebody to learn who they are and what's important to them. But it's not just, I mean, we talked off off air, it, it's not just folks who are new to encountering the medical system. I mean, you, you've had some personal experience where even with all of your experience, it became a daunting task. Right. Well, yes, I two years ago had a brain tumor and was put into the health. I, I got admitted to the hospital right after I had the CAT scan. And, you know, really, because I was sick, I, I had symptoms of you know, what the brain tumor was doing to my brain, I I wasn't really in my right state of mind. So my husband had to help talk to the doctors about me. And he had to make decisions that the doctors were asking him to make. I was lucky I did have two friends, one was a case manager, and one was a patient advocate. And they actually came to the hospital when the neurosurgeon was going to talked to me about what he was going to do. And I was at the time in a very small community hospital. And, you know, that doctor was not really, I'll say, empathetic to what was happening to me. He wanted to know who these two people were. Were they attorneys? Why were they there? What what was their purpose? And I said, I, I wanted them there. They're my friends. And they're going to help me understand what you're telling me. He went on to explain what he was going to do. And, you know, I asked him who he would have operate on him if this was his wife or daughter. And he said, me, I'm per- I'm the doctor. I'm the best. You, you can rest assured I'll do a good job. Well, that didn't really sit well with me because I wanted to hear a different answer. And my friends knew me and knew that I really didn't like that answer. So they got me down to the University of Miami where I was treated, had the brain biopsy, got the type of tumor that I had, and then went into chemotherapy to treat that tumor with a specialist, a doctor who specialized in that area. And I really do believe I'm alive today because of that. So, you know, again, that's what I mean by getting to know the patient, finding out what's important to them. The doctor, if he would have recognized that I was a nurse, that maybe he needed to talk to me a little differently than he talked to me and help me understand in an empathetic way that what he could do would help me. Instead, he took on more of a, I think, a captain of the ship type tone. And for me, that didn't work. And I wasn't comfortable. I was not comfortable with him operating on my brain. So that that's what I mean by communication, by getting to know the patient, by listening to the patient about what is what they are worried about. I was worried not so much that he was the best, but that he could take care of me. And when I went down to the University of Miami, I got that. I got that type of communication from the doctors, from the team that I met, that they were there for me. And that made a big difference in how I felt. But that would only have happened if you and your friends advocated the way you did in the first hospital. So 
Exactly. It, so is, is it really at its essence about putting the patient at the center of the healthcare team? Yes. You know, healthcare really is changing and, you know, probably my parents, your parents, we did what the doctor said to do. And I think overall we do follow doctor's orders, you know, because again, as people, we're not healthcare specialists. We really don't know healthcare. We don't know medicine. We don't know when something happens to us, what to do. So we do go to a doctor. We go to a nurse practitioner. We, we trust nurses. We, we listen to therapists. But I think because the way healthcare is changing, Today, we're asking more questions. We want to know more, you know, because there's cost associated with all the treatments that we get. You know, so if you go to a doctor and right away for a headache, and he says, I want to get an MRI, and you find out that that MRI is going to cost you $700 because that's what your insurance, you might say, doctor, is that the first test? Is that what I really need? Is there anything else that we can do? Some people will do that because they're assertive and they are not afraid to ask questions. But some people won't ask a question because the doctor said, this is what I need. And they may go and get the test done and then have to pay for that for months. And maybe it wasn't the first test. And today, managed care companies are starting to look at requests from doctors take them through a utilization process and decide, does it meet an evidence-based guideline and should we do this? But patients, people don't have that. They don't have those skills. They don't have that. They don't have those tools to be able to interpret that. So they have to be encouraged to ask questions. And is this the best test for me now? What if it's negative? What if it's positive? What if it doesn't show anything? What will we do then? So again, helping that patient understand the process the doctor's going through in his diagnostic testing. And I think most people will take time and listen and understand and be grateful that they're giving some options. What else can we do if we don't do this? And now a word from our sponsor. Today, you're being pulled in multiple directions. Employers want you to deliver a higher level of service and employee satisfaction, and you want more time to grow your business. How do you do both? Benazon Healthcare Advocacy is the answer. Benazon helps plan members understand, utilize, and maximize their health plan and answers their benefits questions while you improve productivity, increase client retention, and grow your book. The best part about partnering with Benazon is that your agency gets all the credit. Clients see your logo, while the Benazon team of subject matter experts work to ensure resolution to specific member information and service requests. Each agency gets a dedicated telephone number and year-round, 24-7 customer support that answers the phone with your agency name. Turn your benefit on with Benazon. For more information, go to www.benazon.com or click their logo on the Shift Shapers website. Benazon, healthcare as it should be. Now, back to our interview. Well, that's true, but you know the nature of the system is, I think, and in the examples that we've talked about so far, is that 
patients don't really pay any attention to this until we're sick. And is, is there any way for benefit advisors, which is, you know, most of our audience, to help educate folks to get out in front of this? What are what can be done so that you at least know enough to ask for an advocate or to get an advocate involved? Well, some employers are starting to do that, are bringing advocates into their workplace and having advocates available if somebody does encounter a healthcare situation, either themselves or through their families. And that really has helped. Some progressive employers are doing that because they recognize the cost of healthcare and they want the patient, the person to be more involved in their care. But, you know, before that, before there's a problem, I think taking time maybe to make sure you have a primary care doctor who can help you get the diagnostic tests or the that are all part of our healthcare benefits at this point to make sure we get preventative care and not just wait until we're sick. Because by doing that, you develop a relationship with your own primary care doctor who, if something does happen, then you're in a better position because the doctor knows you and then can refer you to other physicians or other members of the healthcare team who can help you. I, I just think being more aware of our own health and taking care of ourselves better is something that we as a country haven't done before. You know, with the Affordable Care Act, there were many items put in there to help people to become more active in their own health care. And having that primary care physician is the first step. So we get the tests, we get our vaccinations, we get preventative testing done, like mammograms, like pap tests for women, prostate testing for men after a certain age, all the different things that are in place to help us stay healthy. So when something does happen, we already understand a little bit about the healthcare system because we've experienced it. And our primary care physicians can help us move forward. And sometimes, you know, getting an advocate, that's, I think, was your original question. How do people find an advocate or get an advocate if they do get sick? And I think that's still a piece that we're not 100% clear on because advocacy is very much out there in the communities, but helping the consumer know how an advocate can help them is still, we still need a lot of explanation. People who are advocates, the professional advocates are going into senior centers and doing programs to educate people. They're going into employer groups to educate people about what health patient advocacy is. There's articles, there's interviews such as this for people to understand what an advocate is. So Advocates have a role in getting out and explaining who they are, but the consumer and through employers is a good way to learn about advocates, someone who can help you if you're in the situation. And it isn't always somebody helping you navigate the healthcare system. It could be an advocate who specializes in billing and can help you review. You have a lot, you've been through a medical crisis. Now you have hundreds of thousand dollars in bills coming in through you know, your insurance company through providers. And what does all this mean? An advocate, a billing advocate can help somebody sift through all that and question charges. Sometimes there's mistakes on bills. A billing advocate can help 
undercover those and get them taken off. So it's not something that you have to pay for if you actually didn't get it. Now, you helped to found the Professional Patient Advocate Institute. Does, does that group act like a clearinghouse? Does it help set up standards? Tell me about that group and what it does, because we'll link to that in the show notes. Okay, well, the Patient Advocate Certification Board is on the web, and what it is is several leaders in patient advocacy came together because we felt we were at a point where we where the practice needed a patient advocate certification. Advocates come from many different roles, life choices. They come from business. They come from healthcare. Some people have come into advocacy because they've taken care of someone who they've been through the system and they really want to help other people to be able to navigate the maze of healthcare. So the patient advocate board came together. We had a steering committee initially and we then narrowed it down to this certification board. And we have looked at what some of the role and functions of patient advocates are across the board. So whether you're a healthcare advocate, whether you're a patient advocate, whether you're a billing advocate, there's certain roles and responsibility that everybody is responsible to know and to practice and to cultivate to the competencies that we need to do our jobs. So the board put together, you know, different committees and we developed, we're developing a national certification specifically in patient advocacy. There are certifications in other areas, but we feel that the patient advocate needs a specific certification for them. So we are in the process of developing that national certification. We hope to roll it out in like March of 2018 will be the first test. That's our goal. And it will help, it will give people an opportunity who are doing patient advocacy to define their role and function, what their responsibilities are. We feel like it's a, it's an important step for patients or people for uh, consumer protection so people can evaluate different advocates and find advocates that meet their goals and that they have some training and education and they have a certification that shows that they've met a certain standard. And that's an important piece because we feel patient advocacy is an emerging practice and the consumer needs to know more of what it is and how it can help them. So that that's where we are at this point with the certification process. Now, will the Institute ultimately act as a clearinghouse or, or a resource or that if I'm in Community X, I can go there and, and find a list of different kinds of advocates that are available to me in my community? We haven't 100% sifted through that yet, but that is something that possibly could. Many of the other national certifications, you can go on and check somebody's credentials and there's ways to do that. So that is something that the board will be talking about. How are we going to, you know, let people know that these are the board certified advocates that hasn't been flushed out at this point, but it's definitely something we're looking at. There are other organizations out there. You can do a search on Google. If you put in patient advocate and there'll be other groups that will come up. The Alliance of Healthcare Advocates is another group that we might want to link to. If you're in need of an advocate, they do have a search function by city and state where people can go on and find an advocate. So that is another area, another group that's a professional group that's out there. The National Association of Healthcare 
Consumer Advocates is the professional organization for patient or healthcare advocates. And they also have a list that you can look at and put in your zip code and find an advocate. So there are other groups out there, but the certification body will be the professional certification group that will have the people can check if somebody is certified. And that will be another way for people to look. It's clearly something, as you say, that's emerging and is going to become more and more of a need. We've got about a minute left, Anne. What do you see as the future and the growth track of this patient advocacy movement? I see it becoming more and more used. Patient advocates are going to be more utilized in the future, again, because the consumer has to pay more and more of the healthcare dollar, and they're going to ask for somebody like a financial planner, somebody to help them because it's a, an unfamiliar area, help them navigate the healthcare system because they're in a complex situation that they don't know about and they want somebody to help them. What we see and I hope to see is more advocates find ways to, more creative ways, innovative ways to get to find money or find grants or opportunities to help people who are underserved, who really can't afford, you know, $200, $150 an hour person, maybe through grants, and we can help people who are underserved. So I see it emerging. I see more and more people getting into advocacy, and I see the consumers of healthcare using advocates more and more as they try to navigate the healthcare system. Well, next spring, as your certification standards roll out, we hope you'll join us again, and, and we can talk more about how this is emerging. For the moment, that's a great place to leave our discussion. Anne Llewellyn, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with the Shift Shapers audience. Thanks, David. I'm glad I was able to come on. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of the Saltzman Group. We work with entrepreneurs, executives, and companies just like you to help shape the shifts in your business. To schedule a 20-minute call to learn more, visit our website at thesaltzmangroup.com or call me directly at 803-386-8005. I'd love to hear from you. And while you're on our site, you can also click the podcast tab for the entire catalog of Shift Shapers episodes and to access some really great special offers. Give me a call at 803-386-8005 and learn how to put the secrets of the Shift Shapers to work in your business.